Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we open up and listen to God's word together. Today's message is entitled 10 Second Discipleship, and it was given by Pastor Nicholas Davies during our Sunday morning worship service on February 7th, 2021. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. And when you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this encourages you in your relationship with Christ, and if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. All right. Good morning, everybody. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6, and keep your finger there as we're going to be starting in that passage here in just a few minutes. Um, I think I've shared this before, but I spent uh, two summers working up at New Life Bible Camp uh, just above Hyman, PA, and I loved it. I loved every single minute of it. It was tiring, it was challenging, but it was rewarding. And seeing kids come to know Jesus as their Savior made every single drop of sweat worth it. And it was hot, so we sweat a lot. During camp, we would work zip line, walk horses, do sky swing, which is terrifying, but really awesome. We would do boats. One of my favorite things was playing in the creek and making a dam so that we could have a little swimming hole across from the lodge. My favorite thing, though, was finding a wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one cool thing we used to do at camp, though, was called spear apping, which stood for spiritual application. We would use things around us in nature to help point students to Jesus, whether it was the green leaves on the trees where we could talk about growing in Christ as a result of being rooted in him. Um, then you would follow up with John 15:5, I am the vine, ye, the, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And you would have an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus or to encourage someone who has maybe walked away from their faith or even just remind those who are faithful to continue remain being faithful to our Savior. Or maybe you were leading the zip wire and a kid starts really panicking because you're high up in a swaying tree that just a little breeze will make that thing tilt side to side. And you recite Isaiah 40, 31 as you push them off the edge. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And hope that they don't faint by the end. No, we didn't do that. We weren't allowed to push people off. Um, But it was an opportunity to talk about fear many times, and how we can trust in moments where God is asking us to step out in faith. One spear app I used quite a bit was during our time of walking horses. We would walk about seven miles before noon, and the next day we were always very sore. But we would talk about how how the bridle on a horse was used to steer which way the horse would go. Just a small bit in this magnificent beast's mouth was influential enough to steer this huge animal. From that, I would go on to talk about how the Bible was like that bit in our mouth, steering us where we are to go if we keep it in our mouths and submit to it, just like the horse. 
the spear app with the horses and the zip wire. I use so often that I can't think of the zip wire or see a horse without thinking of these truths from God's Word. It's pretty incredible that just everyday things can point me back to Jesus. And I hope that the campers who had the opportunity to come to know Christ on horses in zip line um, think of those things too whenever they go back to camp each year or see a horse as they're driving down the road. I say all this and I share these memories because many times in our lives we focus on good things to the neglect of other good things. What do I mean by that? I believe that sometimes we look at daily devotionals and solitude as above the rest ways of teaching and learning about Jesus. Now, those things are certainly important, but I believe that we see in Scripture that even little moments while walking with a friend or while eating with your family or driving the car with your kids is a great opportunity for discipleship and evangelism. Spear apping, it's all about creating or seeing opportunities in your everyday environment that allow you to teach truths from God's word to your friend, your child, your neighbor, your spouse, your loved one, or even your enemy. My hope today is to encourage you through God's word to remember that the 10-second moments with those people, your children, friend, neighbor, spouse, loved one, or even your enemy, can be just as impactful and are certainly just as important as the big moments in our lives. I was reminded this week from a book I read and a devotional I'm going through of a passage in Deuteronomy 6. So if you haven't turned with me, Turn with me now to uh, Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 9. In this passage, it specifically talks about sharing God's Word, in this case, the law, with one's children from generation to generation. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgment, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land, whither ye go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. And, thou, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, on thy gates. This passage is a command from God to the people of Israel. In this command, we see an example set for us that tells us that discipleship, training and godliness, knowing the character of God and then living it, happens in the everyday function of life. It's more than just a once-a-week church service. It's more than just being here on Sunday morning. It's more than just being here three times a week. Really, it's a constant, daily, every moment 
activity. In this passage, it's specifically pointed out to parents that we are to disciple our children, that we are to train them in the way they ought to go, that we are to teach them God's Word. We see this reminded uh, to us later on in Proverbs. Chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This command in Deuteronomy 6 is descriptive of the discipleship we are called to be a part of even later on in the New Testament. Now, as a dad and youth pastor, um, I know I'll probably be referencing that parent-child relationship a bit more in this message, but understand that this message is for any relationship, whether it's a friend, a child, even sometimes a parent. You and I are called to be both a disciple of God's Word and a disciple maker. We are supposed to be a disciple of wiser elders in the faith. This doesn't necessarily mean an older person in age, but many times it's the case. What this means is being a disciple of someone who is older in the faith than you. If you're wondering what a disciple is, I keep saying this word, in simplest terms, it's someone who sits under the teaching of someone. It's someone who sits under the teaching of Jesus. That's why we see his 12 disciples. We're also called to be disciple makers, not just disciples ourselves, not just learners from Jesus, but also training other people to learn from Jesus. This means parents, teach your children how to learn from God's word. Teach your children the truths from God's word. Teach your children to learn from you as you follow God's example. This means that you who are in the workplace, you are to live your lives as an example for your coworkers, that they may see your faith and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This means you are to teach your friends about God's word when you learn something from God's word. It's not just taking it and bottling it up and never using it. We're to share it. We're not supposed to be selfish with God's word. With Deuteronomy 6's example to us of the constant teaching of, in any moment, of God's word, let us take a jump to the New Testament and turn with me to Matthew 28, where we see Jesus' examples with his disciples and um, the command to us. Keep your finger there in Matthew 28, because we're going to jump around to a few passages. The first one we're actually going to go to is John 8. Excuse me. So turn with me to John 8. I told you wrong. John chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 1 through 11. Jesus gave us far more than just one example of teaching in the 10-second moments. His ministry is marked with occasion after occasion where he would teach his disciples and those around him using what was happening or by creating an opportunity in his environment. A great example of this we do see in John chapter 8 with the woman caught in adultery. Let's look at verses 1 through 11. It says, Jesus went under the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. 
So they continued to ask him. He lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. In this scenario, we see two moments where Jesus takes what is given to him and teaches those around him. In the first teachability moment, we see Jesus teach the scribes and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, that they are all sinners, which is a truth we see repeated throughout the Bible, but very explicitly stated in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he teaches them in just a moment of time in verse 7 through 9. The second teaching moment happens in 10 through 11, where Jesus teaches the about God's forgiveness and also about living a life free from sin. He says, go and sin no more. He forgives her. Let me remind you that this is not just some nice story about forgiveness. This isn't just made up. This is a historical account of the God of heavens stepping down to teach mankind about himself. How incredible is that? This is God himself stepping down to redeem mankind with his own blood and teach you and I thousands of years later. This is real life. Jesus is taking these moments and in these moments had the opportunity to teach someone about himself. And he, being God, didn't miss the opportunity. He taught. And this account is still teaching us today through the obedience of John who then penned it down and generation after generation that copied it and preserved it for us. Let me give you another example of of Jesus doing this kind of discipleship. Uh, Turn over with me to Matthew 16, verse 5 to 12. It says this, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why, why reason among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they, that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Have any of you baked bread? Anybody break, baked bread? Yeah, okay. handful of you. Uh, I really enjoy baking bread. I'm not the best at it, um, but I really like doing it. In this day and age, during this time, you couldn't just pick up a nicely packaged loaf of bread from the store. Just not how it was. It wasn't wrapped in plastic and preserved. Uh, It was something that everybody was familiar with because everyone had to do it or at least witness it. So Jesus takes this common everyday practice 
for the disciples, something that they knew and were very well familiar with, and teaches his disciples that the doctrine of the scribes and Pharisees was dangerous to their lives. Because doing so would let disobedience infect their whole life. Paul goes on to say in, in Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So with this everyday task, Jesus teaches his disciples and still us today teaches us the truth about God, that we need to be careful what we are allowing in our lives. There's no doubt that Jesus left for us an example to follow in teaching our children, neighbors, enemies, friends, and families about himself through everyday opportunity and the means around us. This example from Jesus leads us to Matthew 28, where we are given the command in verses 18 through 20 to go and make disciples. Read with me in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Let me remind you as we see that, that we are given this command not without a promise, but that we are given it with a promise that Jesus is all-powerful and that He is with us. We'll see that in verse 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, we are given this daunting task, yet we are also given the promise that all-powerful Jesus will be with us even unto the end of the world. That did not just apply to the disciples. It applies to us today. You and I have a responsibility and an opportunity to our God to be obedient to this command. This isn't just in here for fluff. This was in here to set us on a mission. It is revealed to us in this passage that we have a responsibility to carry the gospel. Paul later talks in 2 Corinthians 5 about how the ministry of reconciliation has been given to each and every one of us who are called children of God. We aren't to be passive about the gospel. We're not to be passive about sharing the gospel. We're not to be selfish with the gospel, harboring it in our hearts, but never sharing it to people who really, really need it. When we accept the gospel, we're also accepting the mission to share it with those around us. Now, you can share it to both people who know Jesus and people who do not know Jesus because we still need reminded every day of the gospel. We want to go quickly back to our old nature so, so fast. We need reminded of the gospel every day. This means you and I as believers, we have a responsibility to our children to be obedient to this command. We have a responsibility to our neighbor to be obedient to this command. We have a responsibility to our loved ones, our enemies, to be obedient to this command because their salvation depends upon it. Let me ask you, are you going to take it seriously? Are you going to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus? Are you going to lay down pride and speak out against the lies this world tells, tells us? Are you going to make disciples in your families, in your workplace, in your circles of influence, wherever that might carry you? If you're ready, that's something you're saying to yourself, yeah, I, I actually need to do that. 
because I'm not right now. If you said yes to any of those questions I just asked you, let's look at six things we must do in order to be the most effective disciple makers in those little 10-second moments of our lives. Number one is this. We need to know our God. We need to know Him. What I mean by this is that are you a child of God? Are you saved? Have you confessed Christ as Savior? Turn with me to John 14. Uh, This is certainly one of my favorite passages. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know the way you know. Thomas saith unto Him, Lord, we know not whither Thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Jesus reveals to us that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that he is God. And to know Jesus is to know the Father. Knowing Jesus is number one. Right out the gate. You can't make make disciples if you're not a disciple of Jesus yourself. There's no point in discipleship if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Jesus wasn't just a a great teacher to learn from. You can certainly learn things from Him, right? But He wasn't just a good teacher. He was that and is that. Really, he's so much more, right? He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He is God in the flesh that came to redeem us by death on a cross. And he is the Savior that not only died for us, but rose again for us. And he said that's what he was going to do. He wasn't just a good teacher. So for you to be a true disciple of Jesus and learn from him, you need to ask yourself, Have I confessed Him as my Savior? If you're sitting there today and you don't know, let me share this passage with you. Romans 10.9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you're sitting in your seat or watching from home today, take a minute and ask yourself that. Have I done that? Have I confessed Christ as my Savior? Do I really believe that Jesus came, God, in the flesh and rose again for me? Once you get that determined in your heart, the next five things are really applicable to your life. The next five things aren't going to matter if you've answered no to that. The next five things aren't really useful to your life if you haven't confessed Jesus as your Savior. So the first thing is we need to know our God. The second thing is we need to know His Word. This has to do with God's character. This has to do with knowing God, who God is and knowing His will. There's two things on that this benefits us in discipleship. The first thing is that knowing God and reading His Word keeps us from a life of sin. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word I have hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The second thing 
is knowing God and reading His Word also helps us evangelize. So one, it keeps us from sin. And two, it helps us evangelize. In Acts 2, we see an account of Peter standing up to preach. And over and over and over again, he quotes Scripture. As he does it, people turn from their ways and give their life to Jesus. It's important for us to know God's Word, to share God's Word. If you don't know it, you can't share it. So number two is we need to know His Word. And we need to know our God. Number three, we need to know our audience. Acts 17, 22 to 23. Before I read this, is there a difference between a teenager and, say, someone in their 40s? Is there a difference? Yeah, there certainly is. Yes, Colby's over there shaking his head. Yes, there's a big difference. There is. Your audience matters, and knowing them certainly matters. Acts 17, verse 22 and 23 says this, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. This passage, Paul speaking to the Athenians about having a statue that they had erected to an unknown God. It seems their purpose in doing this was to cover their bases. We just want to make sure we've got everything covered in case there's an unknown God out there we don't know about. We've got to make this statue so that we can worship Him too. I kind of imagine the conversation going like this. What if we miss one? What do we do then? Uh, what do you think we should do? How about we make a statue and put to the unknown God? Yeah, perfect. That sounds great. Now, Paul, seeing this opportunity, he seized it to appeal to the Athenians and proclaim Jesus, the one true God that they did not know. We already know that Paul was fired up about their idolatry if you look back in verse 16. And now he turns this fired up, ready to go, into a proclamation of the one true God who truly deserve their worship, not idols. So the example we see in Scripture is set forth all knowledge of the audience that he was speaking to. He knew they had the sin of idolatry in their lives. He knew they had a desire to please even this unknown God, whoever it may be in their minds. And in turn, he took the opportunity presented to him, and knowing God himself, knowing the one true God, and knowing his word, he was able to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. For us, this means knowing our kids said at the beginning of this section that there's certainly a big difference between there's a big difference between me and Judah, my child who's about a year old now. That's it's crazy that it's time flies, right? All the parents out there, you know that time flies. I'm I'm figuring that out. But there's a big difference in how I would learn and how he would learn. I need to be ready to share the gospel with him as he grows up. We need to know our kids' world to better reach them. We need to know what they're struggling with. We need to know what they're going to be facing in this world. We need to know what to teach them about Jesus and how to battle against the evil one. We need to be ready. We need to be equipped. That leads us to number four. We need to be ready. At any moment, God may choose to give us an opportunity to minister to somebody. You don't know. You can walk out of here. You could be getting gas. And you have an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. We need to be ready to 
recognize it, we need to be ready to be obedient to it. And at the same time, not knowing what we may see or come across in our day, we've been given our families that we come across every single day. Are you ready to minister to them when you wake up in the morning? We have an opportunity to share the gospel with them every chance we get, whether it's walking together or eating breakfast or even just sitting around on the couch. Paul commands Timothy, and it applies to us today in 2 Timothy 4.2. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Be ready in season and out of season. And Peter commands in 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you ready in any moment to give a reason for the hope that's in you? If someone asks you today, what's it mean to be saved? Can you answer them? Can you lead them to Jesus today? If not, ready yourself. Start learning. Start reading from God's Word because you need to be ready at any moment. This leads us to number five. We need to act. We need to actually do it. Look back at uh, Matthew, or yeah, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We have been given a command to make disciples. Anything else besides that is disobedience. If you're not following this command, you're walking in disobedience to Him because He has commanded each and every one of us to do it. That leads us to the last thing. We need to repeat. We need to do it over and over again. This is my encouragement to you. Don't stop. Why, why stop? Keep sharing Jesus. Paul preached unto his death. Peter preached unto his death. This life is so temporary. Right? I'm learning that too. This life is so temporary. We need to make every single moment, every single opportunity count. Ephesians 5, 15-17 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We need to know what God's Word is. We need to be ready to share it. We need to act. We need to do it. As we begin to close up today, let me remind you that a lot happens in a day, right? We have, what, 16 hours? That's if you get eight hours of sleep entirely. Haven't been doing that recently. Uh, throughout those 24 hours, though, you have a lot of 10-second moments you have with your child, your neighbor, your friend. And they add up, right? Moment after moment, whatever that might be, these moments are just as impactful as the big moments. These moments are just as important as the big moments. I can think of times in my life where I look back and I think, 
only a few words in this very moment made an impact on my life. I shared this before, but I want to share it again. Um, Andy, who's going to be doing our worship tonight, um, I'm very excited for that. I love when Andy plays. He's excellent at playing the guitar, and I love his voice as well. Um, I worked at camp, shared that at the beginning, and I had a moment in my life where I wanted to walk away from ministry. I decided I'm not doing this. I'm done. I'm not following what I feel like God has called me to do. I feel like he's calling me to do something different, and boy, was I deceived. And overworking my time at New Life, God began to show me I was wrong. I needed to go back. Well, I didn't know what I was going to do. Every room at Liberty was filled up that semester, and so I thought, I need to do something. Let me ask Andy to pray for me during our morning meeting. I said, Andy, I don't know what I'm going to do, but can you just pray that I'd be able to do online classes because there's no more room left for me. And he said, you know what, I'm going to pray that you get a room this year. I'm going to pray that you get a room right here, right now, this semester, so that you can go back and do what God's called you to do. And uh, I laughed. Because I, I was like, what? That's not going to happen. But time passed. Time passed, and it's two weeks before classes began, and I still didn't make a call because I was... 19 and a procrastinator. I am now 24 and a procrastinator. <laughs> and I called, and the guy said to me, sounds like you, I, sh- I shared with him my story of kind of how I felt like God was calling me back. He said, sounds like you really want to get back here this semester. I said, yeah, I, I, I would love that, but I know it's not really possible. He said, well, the guy on the phone before you called to withdraw from school, and there's one room left. Do you want it? It's like, I kind of dropped the phone down to my side for a second, and immediately, I thought back to when Andy prayed for me, that I would get a room that semester. And in that moment, that few seconds moment, both Andy prayed for me, and when I was on the phone with that person from Liberty, I learned a lot about prayer. I learned a lot about prayer. And still to this day, I think about it, because I know, based on that, that God answers prayer. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in the 10-second moments. Those 10-second moments can be just as impactful in people's lives as the big moments. We have a choice. Are we going to redeem the time and use that 10-second moment? Or are we going to pass you by? Are you going to choose to teach your kids about Jesus every chance that you get? Look back at Deuteronomy 6. It says that we are to do it. Thou shalt talk when you sittest in thine house, and when you walketh by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Every moment you get, share Jesus with them. And if you do it, it's going to stick with them. We have an opportunity, but it's also a responsibility. Walk in that. Do it with joy. Remember the joy that He has placed in our lives. Share that joy with other people. I'm going to ask Butch and Ramona to come up, and as we open up the invitation and sing this hymn, 
the deacons are going to be up here. I'll be up here. If you need to take this moment to just confess, Lord, I haven't been making disciples, come and do it. If you need to take this moment to say, Lord, I need the strength that you've promised to me in your word to have so that I can make disciples in my workplace, come up. Come up and pray with one of us. Come up and take the time for just a moment to ask him for If you need one of us to just pray with you, if you don't know Jesus, we'd be happy to show you how. We'd be happy to talk with you on how you can come to know Jesus as your Savior. It's not that hard. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you need to just pray, why don't you come? Well, that wraps up today's message. We hope this has made an impact on your life and encourages you to follow and reflect Jesus daily. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, Wednesday nights at 6.45, or give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.